This is not our cat. What? Of course that's your cat. Oh, my God. It's not even male. Where's its scrotum? Lewin? Where's its scrotum? And now for something completely different. Where's it scrotum? <laughs> scrotum is my precious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boys. Oh, oh boys. boys. <laughs> um, am I starting this one off because it's my movie? Well, I mean, you don't talk ever, but go ahead. Okay, cool. Hi, everybody. Thanks for <laughs> tuning into The Real Boys, whether on the video stream or later on the audio podcast. It's a podcast where we talk about movies. Weird, right? Who would have guessed that some guys would have gotten together and talked about movies? But we did, and we are, and you're here listening to us. My it's name is unprecedented for three yes. guys to get together and talk about movies. Yeah, two two guys, easy, all day long, every day. You Google movie reviews, probably two guys, sometimes one guy, never three guys. No, never three. You know, never sometimes eight six. Also. Never eight, uh, but uh, OMG, never... there's seven of us. OMG, <laughs> what a movie podcast! <laughs> what a podcast! My name is Dylan. I'm hosting this week because we're talking about my number one favorite movie. I wanted to talk about Inside of Lewin Davis. Uh, I'm also here with Zach, lover of Homeward, Homeward Bound. Mm-hmm. I'm having trouble sure. reading. <laughs> and Michael Sadsack, who is a sad sack. Yeah, how are you guys doing tonight? Sad. <laughs> I'm I'm not as sad. Okay. <laughs> Well, that's good. No, I'm great. I, I'm really good. Uh, it, it, it This is one of those cool movies that you watch when you're like, oh, yeah, this was a Coen Brothers, even though it doesn't look like it. It doesn't feel like it, except in just the heart of the art of it. I'm, I'm trying not to rhyme. All, all the, all if you're, if you're ever going to rhyme on this podcast, this is probably the episode to do it. Um, oh, yeah. Because for those of you who don't know, Inside Lewin Davis, it is set in the 60s. It's about Lewin Davis, played by Oscar Isaac, a struggling folk singer trying to get musical success in the New York folk scene. Uh, go for it. Uh, method podcaster Michael Sadsack actually spent the last seven days on different couches, <laughs> some of which were outside uh, for this, as you can tell by his bed beard. Oh, yeah, I did not. I haven't showered. I haven't. I've barely eaten. Um, and I've been chasing a cat around. Uh, yeah. So this is the, yeah, this, I definitely went uh, method with this one. Perfect. Uh, it is a Coen brothers movie. It has Oscar Isaac, Carrie Mulligan, John Goodman, Justin Timberlake, a few other people you would probably recognize. It's based on an actual folk singer named Dave Van Ronk. He was a Titan in the folk scene back in the sixties. He kind of mentored people like Bob Dylan and others. And it was partially inspired by his life, though. If you ask the Coens, they took almost no inspiration from his real life except the music, because the people who actually knew Dave Van Ronk in real life thought that this was an unflattering portrayal of him. Because Lewin Davis is kind of an asshole. Hmm. 
kind of. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and kind of, just kind of. Like, yeah. like he's an asshole in like the best way you can be one, which is like, leave him alone. <laughs> he is horrifically you know? depressed. Yeah, he's having a hard time, man. He's having, he's a, having hard a, time. a really hard time. And the only time that this dude ever gets like a real good night's sleep is when he like wakes up with a friend really when he makes yeah. a friend finally yeah so uh yeah I, I i i like this movie but it's it's not it's not sad and it's not mean uh it's just a weird non-arcing movie uh yeah. about a guy who is just close to being <laughs> good at music i guess he's close um, yeah no that well that's boy, there's i some think the sweaters in here i think the sad part of this is how good he is at music and getting passed over for a bunch of people who were less talented well such as bob dylan at the end i mean he's unwilling to compromise and he's unwilling to connect with people and yeah um the music agent uh bud grossman points that out to him when he talks about uh the military guy troy nelson he's like good kid he connects with people yeah you need to be a part of a group not a front man because lewin davis doesn't connect with people and when it comes to the art scene you've got to connect with people yeah, this is like uh, this is also the same journey Tim Burton took uh, right before he went down a decline of very bad movies. Just the sad artist and art, you know, like what 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 before you make it, you don't you do not want to compromise. You want your art to shine. You want people to see how good you are at what you do. Uh, in his life, no one sees what he does. Uh, he's only just kind of a nuisance to everybody. No one really respects his music. No one really respects his time. Um, and he's just a classic New Yorker with a with a solid New York accent. Yeah. <laughs> As Apocalypse should. Yes. Oh, yes. I forgot he was in that movie. Uh, mm -hmm. He was covered in blue paint. But uh, we could talk about the plot here. There's not a lot to it. Um, as in as much as an actual drive arc. It is a sequence of events that happens to Lewin Davis due to uh, that are the consequences of his own bad decision making or his unwillingness to compromise. Starts with him. He's playing uh, at the Gaslight Cafe. He plays what seems to be a normal set. Is told that a friend is waiting for him outside. He goes outside and gets beaten up. Well, he's told by Doogie Hauser's best friend, <laughs> which let's not overlook that because Mar uh, Marilyn he... Manson. What? 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 Wasn't what the? Are you talking? Wasn't about? that the? <laughs> wasn't that the rumor that the kid who played Doogie Hauser's best friend? Was Marilyn oh, Manson at the character Doogie Howser? Oh. Uh, that that oh, actor yeah. who was also in The Sopranos and Band of Brothers, he was in Doogie Howser playing Doogie's best friend Vinny. Yeah, uh, and that's the one who there was a rumor that that he was Marilyn Manson, <laughs> the kid who played Vinny on Doogie Howser. People said that he was Marilyn Manson. I had never watched nope. Doogie Howser. I had never listened to Marilyn Manson. Oh, well, you're one of you is missing out more than the other one. I won't say which. Okay. Yeah, probably. Dude, Doogie House is a great show. Uh, it's back in Hawaii, now starring a female. Um, All right. So it's great. Good for them. Okay. Uh, but then Davis, uh, after getting beaten up, wakes up in the apartment of his friends, the Gore Finds. He leaves them a note saying, thanks for letting them have the couch. And their cat escapes. Uh, he chases after the cat. We get our first musical number which is uh, Fare Thee Well, which is a classic folk song. Um, and he goes to take the cat to Gene's apartment. Now, Gene is an old flame of his, asked to stay the night. 
meets Troy Nelson, who's a young military man who is stationed at nearby Fort and is also a performer. Well, I will say that the shot of the cat on the train getting to that place was one of the most beautiful things. Outside of hallway shots, for some reason, uh, all the hallway shots really stood out in this uh, very single shots, like when they're in the bathroom. Uh, and, and somebody even noted on one of the, the trivia things that they tried to like go Kubrick-esque with their their uh, single directional shots every time he's in a bathroom. Um, but yeah, it, that, that, that scene of the cat kind of watching the subway was really interesting. And uh, yeah, that was, it was really cool. Like mini movie inside of this thing. It's where you first see them use music to kind of enforce the mood. You've got this kind of lonesome longing song about saying farewell. And he is taking this cat because he has no idea how to get back inside and he can't get a hold of the people who own it. And he is just stuck with this burden, so to speak. And you've got this old folk song playing over it, and it serves as kind of the opening to the movie, for sure. Now, when when uh, listening to interviews from the Coens about this movie, the cat was one of the things that they put in kind of last minute because they, they, they had this idea of a sad artist living this life and kind of always living this life. And they thought that it just didn't have an actual arc and it was kind of on the boring side. So they decided just to throw a cat into it, um, which was, it turns out to be their biggest nightmare of their entire life. Uh, They're on record saying that uh, working with this cat was one of the worst things that they've ever, ever done. And they will never do that ever again. There's a reason they don't put cats in many movies uh, because they're not, I mean... I can't imagine they're easy to work with. The only thing that they do on a regular schedule is eat. <laughs> yeah, or just do something you do not want them to do. Yeah. But they even said that working with a vulture in True Grit was easier than working with this cat. <laughs> they have like seven hours of footage of this cat just <laughs> doing the wrong thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, but he is chasing the cat. He gets the cat. He goes to Jean's uh, apartment where she passes him a note saying, I'm pregnant and it's probably yours. Uh, the cat escapes again. And then later on, Jean uh, and Davis meet up in the park. She asks him to pay for an abortion, though she admits fully that she is not entirely sure of whose kid it is. Hey, you, but, you, skipped, you skipped over a, a very small and very weird, but uh, a, a fun scene that I, I liked a lot which is where he went to go ask that guy if there's any money for him yet because of any like record sales. He goes to his agent. Yes. Yeah. And the agent's like, look, yeah, this is just how this works. Uh, And he's like, look, I don't have any money, dude. I don't have, I don't even have a money for a coat. And he just tries to give him a coat and he's like, I I don't want your coat. And the guy's like, you're a piece of shit. Get out of here. Actually. All right. Here's 40 bucks, dude. Get out of here. Yeah. (laughs) What, What a cool scene. Yeah, you you get the idea uh, through that interaction that his agent is not necessarily um, skilled or at least fully on his side. Um, But they're they're close in a way where it's kind of like, you know, he'll give him the coat off his back, but Lewin initially rejects it and he treats it like a big deal. Um, And then they have the conversation about paying for the doctor visit. Uh, And you start to see that a lot of Lewin's personality is (laughs) self-defeating, which... You're going to get in this sort of environment. Well, I, I especially think like after his partner died, um, he really has not been able to like kind of bounce back. Like he was known as part of a duo. And it seems like every person 
is either reminding him of those times or letting him know the things that he's not doing. So, yeah, it just seems like he doesn't have anybody who's boosting him at all. He's got nobody being like, hey, here, you're you're a good dude. You know, the best he has is like, you got to get out by Tuesday because my girlfriend's coming. Yeah, when he visits his sister to ask for money, she's like, "No, but I have a box of things for you." And he's like, "I don't, I don't need it. Just put it out by the curb," which is another self-defeating accident he does because it throws away his license and his pilot license. Yeah, uh, I mean, even even that move he makes at the one part where they're like, "Look, if if you take this thing, then you're going to get on the schedule, and we'll, we'll get you constantly, and you get royalties." And he's like, "No, no, no, just give me a check yep, right now." Yeah, and the guy's like, "You, you'll make royalties. Like you'll, you'll be able." To, he's like, "I don't care. Give me a check right now." That was like, yeah, that was the first time that I was like, oh, dude, you're doing yeah, you're doing this to yourself because it feels like he doesn't like that the song that they're doing. And but it also is the only song that has any sort of (laughs) like (laughs) potential to make money that he sings in the entire movie. The well, it's across the entire movie. Lewin Davis is like balances between trying to make money as an artist and being a serious artist. And you see that um, Jim's character, who's played by Timberlake, is willing to make those compromises mm-hmm. to record a goofy novelty song uh, uh, that is going pop, to be a hit. A pop song that's the only song that Ooh. I enjoyed in this movie. <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> it was it was the only. It was the only song in this Mr. movie Kennedy, that I like. You can send me away. Oh, dude, I love that song. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a great one. It's um, it's a really fun song. I'm like, uh, okay, and you know the just the scene with Oscar Isaac's and Justin Timberlake and um, uh, Kylo Ren there. Um, they looked like they were having fun. Like even Oscar Isaac's at, like as they're going looked like he was starting to have fun. And then he just like brought himself back down. He's like, no, I can't have fun. This isn't a serious song. Yeah. I, not, I don't want art. anything to do with this really. And yeah, that's when you, that's when you sort of go, all right, this guy just sucks. <laughs> self-defeating. He's self-defeating after the loss of his uh, music partner. Yeah. But uh, he gets the money. He takes the lump sum instead of the royalty option because he needs the money now. Goes to a doctor's office, tries to set up an appointment. The doctor does not charge him because it turns out the last woman that he had brought in chose without telling him to not terminate. Quick question. Did he rape this lady? I don't think so. No. She very clearly is like, I did not want this to happen. You're a bad guy for having sex with your friends. Friends, it it felt like there was just something about that which was not right. I uh, didn't get that at all. I, I I mean, he even says it takes two to tango, and she's like, you know what? <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. It, she doesn't. It's... She doesn't like. She never. I don't. I don't think she even like. I don't even think she I'm trying to think of a word and it's not coming to me. She doesn't even like insinuate that, that it wasn't consensual. She's not, she never says anything about it not being consensual. It's just like, they, they never said we had sex. It's like, well, no, you had sex with me. You put a baby in me. 
she she's like i will throw this baby down the steps <laughs> just because you have something to do with it I, that just seems real I, filthy i don't think it's a, a non-consensual thing i no. think it is to show just how much she regrets being involved with him on any level yeah it, yeah, it was, was just, it it felt like a definite especially, fuck especially <laughs> because little, she is so involved with jim to the point where she is she performs with him alive notorious people know that she and jim perform and people come to see them perform and jim's a good guy yeah, but, but even and he's even, stable <laughs> even doogie Howser's friend Vinny like had sex with her yeah. so i mean it's not like i don't i don't know there, something just felt really only because of how many times she brought up like you're you you're a piece of you can't even come up here i'll come to you like you you're you're just a piece of you did this i don't i don't know it just it felt real icky yeah well i mean she views him as an icky person because he is an asshole and a misanthrope but he is still oscar isaac so sometimes you got to compromise well that's why it happened well not if you're oscar isaac (laughs) the whole point of this movie is yeah, but he finds out that he has a kid in Akron, Ohio, and the mom did not tell him that it he had a kid. Uh, which is uh, pretty Coen Brothers, I think. I think that's a pretty Coen Brothers thing to throw into a movie. Uh, yeah, but it never really that, amounts to anything. It doesn't. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't really go anywhere. And the Coens are definitely known for like guys wanting to be dads i think that's that follows more of the suit or like uh like attempting to be father figures um it, it is it is odd that that yeah that a lot of this movie has happened like what was even the point of of her keeping the baby like she obviously had an appointment i think or mm-hmm. or, yeah. or didn't uh, you know and then because then that means that like the doctor who couldn't reach Oscar Isaac to give him the money back didn't even try to reach the lady to give her the money, which is I guess weird, but I don't know. It just well, it, what Oscar Isaac appointment? paid. Oscar Isaac paid for the appointment, and she chose not to go through with it. So because he couldn't contact Oscar Isaac, who provided the payment, he just gave. He just held on to it. What, and what did it comes that, back? What did that tell you about about Oscar Isaac's character, though? That the people who were once involved with him, he's not connected to anymore. They chose to sever connections with him, even over such a major life event as having a child. As choosing to keep the kid, this woman decided not to tell him. Yeah. Because he never chose to connect with her on any level. She just left. She went back to her parents in Akron. Yeah. I mean, it, all along yeah. the way, all along the way, the connections that us, that uh, Lewin Davis makes aren't permanent, except for at the end when you see him go back to the Gorefines. Which kind of was the beginning? Mm-hmm. Who was this guy who beats the shit out of him? He looked very familiar. The actor or the character? The actor. I don't know. Yeah, also actually. the character. Like, what? What was? What was that? Was it just because like he he made fun of that guy's wife? It was his wife that was on stage with the dulcimer that he was heckling, and so he found oh. him the next night and beat him up. Yeah. yeah. Just a it was it was a frame story. It's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a trick on the audience to have that be the first thing you see. Yeah. And then have it be ultimately kind of a minor thing, but it does carry the tone throughout the movie that Lewin Davis causes his own problems. Yeah, that's yeah. sort of that was sort of like the Cohen-y thing that I, I got. The the fact that it was just like this very small 
amount of time that we're dealing with and we start with it and we end with it. And that's really all we see because in Coen brothers movies, there's never like big scopes of anything. It's always a small amount of time. Yeah. And you know, whatever happens in that amount of time, that's the only thing you really know about any of these characters or anything. So like, yeah, I, I liked that about this. Um, for some reason, I kept thinking it would like, I kept thinking it was Tom Waits, but I know it definitely wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Not in this one. This no. is the Book of Eli. He also sort of looks like <laughs> Doug Jones a little bit, like Doug Jones's dad. <laughs> Wait, which character? The, the, the one guy who beats, him, beats up? him up. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, after learning that he has a kid in Akron, he makes the appointment, meets up with Gene at a cafe. And we kind of talked about the uh, the novelty song, which we wrote. Um, but he meets up with Gene in the cafe, interrupts by thinking he sees the Gorefine's cat outside and takes the cat to them that night. Uh, he is asked to perform a song at dinner and plays a song that he used to play with his old partner. When Mrs. Gorefine starts harmonizing, he... Uh, Gets mad because that is not what she's supposed to do. And he is a professional, damn it. And this is not a parlor trick. Because you should never do your art if you're a professional for free. Mm. Right, Zach? Oh, uh, I don't <laughs> think I learned that yet. Yeah, okay. Zach, Zach is like a professional talker. So uh, when he's Long not person. on a podcast, he doesn't say anything. Yeah, actually, that's true. Paid, I'm getting paid to not talk later. So uh yeah and i don't do that for free i'll tell you that yeah no actually it's weird when we hang out zach does not speak unless there's a microphone in front of him and i talk no goddamn time yeah it's weird like dylan will text me things to say back to him in response to (laughs) questions he's about to ask oh it's great i get to write Uh, my own conversation also did you feel at all that the gorn fiends gorn finds were his partner's parents for any reason did you get that i did because she started singing his part yeah, and that seemed to really upset him in a way that he had to apologize for it, but also she apologized. So it 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 made it it made me feel I was like, oh, I wonder if this is like his partner's parent. Like, why does he have such a relationship with them? Uh, why would she sing that part? But I guess also if it's a duet part, then it makes sense too. So yeah, I was just, just curious how you how you read that. I I also have had that thought, and it's never confirmed in the movie itself. But I think yeah. it. I think it makes sense for why they have such a connection. Um, and there, <laughs> when the lady was getting heckled on stage, I was half typing, half watching, and I thought that it was Mrs. Gornfield on stage. <laughs> and I'm like, damn, he is just getting on her right now. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, wait, no, that's a different person. But uh, the dinner t- party is cut short. When she returns with the cat, turns out it's the wrong sex. It has no scrotum. Mm-hmm. Where's the mm-hmm. scrotum? Where's the scrotum? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh Lewin Davis leaves and takes the cat with him. Because you know what else? It's a street cat. What else are you gonna do? Yeah. Uh when he w- and then we'll find out that while he was staying with Adam Driver, Kylo Ren, uh he offered him a spot in the car on the way to Chicago because some people were going to Chicago, and that is also where his kind of like record agent target, the person he wants to work for. Bud Grossman is there. And it's a new scene, despite the fact that he likes New York. So he teams up 
with beat poet Johnny Five and jazz musician Roland Turner, played by oh, oh boy. some guy and John Goodman. What do you mean some guy? That guy's from Aragon. That guy's from Four Brothers, one of Chris Harvey's Wait, top six movies. Who's he in Aragon? He's friggin' um he's uh hang on. No, a yeah. I have it right here. No, I do. It's true. I looked this up like oh 10 my minutes god, ago. he's Murtag. Yeah, there he is. <laughs> oh, he's the only fun part of that movie. Yeah, he's yeah. also on Friday Night Lights. He's uh trying to be real sexy and Troy. Those guys, he's he's huh. a, he's a thing. Well, that's interesting. I I hadn't thought he was from anything else. No, uh, but these mm-hmm. two are a real pair. Um, John Goodman as Cohen brother tradition is playing kind of a piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah. But but the but the best the best character that I I've I'm trying to think back of all of Goodman's characters. This is one of the weirdest ones that he plays. He's very good at being uh, a piece of shit. He's very good at being cool. He's very good at being creepy. I haven't really seen this side of Goodman uh in in a while and i'll say that this was the part that i rewound just to rewatch and if it's okay with dylan i i uploaded a um a clip uh to play absolutely because i just loved john goodman so I much i think i know so, which clip it is go for it yeah uh oh yeah i'm sorry i didn't have that does it does it show how he has the uh jim carrey from dumb and dumber hair <laughs> no which... <unfortunately> not. <laughs> maybe it's why is nothing going right for me my life is a big bowl of shit. I don't remember making this big bowl of shit. Meantime, Roland Turner is a thousand miles away laughing his ass off. <laughs> it did show so his cool. it yeah, did show yeah. his Jim Carrey yeah. hair. Yeah. <laughs> I uh yeah. His what character a, is so a... strange. So strange. Like I had like I had three different clips I was trying to to pick for this, but I wanted to keep it short. But what a I, weird character. Did he OD? I, yeah. Yeah. I definitely yeah. and did they just leave him in that car in the snow? <laughs> yes. yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, on on this car, you know, he's on a cross-country car trip from New York to Chicago. We find out that uh not only did Lewin's partner die, he jumped off a bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh and then find out that Roland is a heroin user. Mm-hmm. regularly they get pulled over they pull over to rest and get uh johnny five gets arrested by a cop and <laughs> roll and lewin davis just leaves rolling in the car and the cat well he also sees that there's no keys um yeah, and he well, really right. couldn't go anywhere <laughs> mm-hmm. well, ironically in a 61 dodge you don't need keys um but it whatever it doesn't matter all right it yeah it, it that despite being the fact that this is a scene about a terrible person who's like mean to everyone and is a heroin user who eventually ODs and I guess is left to die in that car in the freezing cold. Yeah. Um, it was like the <laughs> bright spot of the movie for yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, like, he's funny, he's he's a horrible, but he's still funny, and he's John Goodman, so you know he's gonna be good. Like yeah. John Goodman's always good in anything. Um, but yeah, it I was like, I was like, I kind of like this guy. <laughs> I liked everything about being in that car. Like the second he gets in and they just take off and he's looking mm-hmm. at everybody's like uh, h- hello, yeah. And then Goodman wakes up, he's like, "The 
fuck is this? What are you yeah. moving in? What like, is that? <laughs> yeah. Looks at the cat. Like, oh, a guy with a cat. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've and been then, like, practicing Santeria and he's gripping yeah. his like canes. Yeah. It's like, is that a part of the act? But even later, when he asked Johnny Five for a cigarette, and he's like, nah, I'm fresh out. Yeah. And then literally just lights one up right in front of yep. him. Like everything about those two guys, I'm like, I would watch a, a short film on yeah. how they met. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would watch a feature length film on how those two characters met. Yeah, as long as it's under two hours for you. Yeah. It doesn't well, hey. have to be. It just has to be like interesting the entire time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, he abandons the car. He uh, gets to Chicago. He gets to Bud Grossman, who is the guy he wants to perform at four and the guy he wants to make his record and represent him. Mm-hmm. And he plays his heart out. And Bud Grossman's reaction is, I don't see any money in this. You should get into my trio. And he says, no. And he says, well, my advice is to get with your, get back with your partner. Mm. And Lewin <laughs> Davis says, that's good advice. <laughs> and then he goes back to New York. Yeah. F. Murray Abraham doing a very small but amazing job there. But yeah, that w- another scene where it's like, just he, it's pretty much he just went all the way down there just to get a gut punch. And yeah. uh, that's what it was. He's like, dude, he's he's doing it. He's singing it. And um, for a second, it even looks like Abraham's kind of into it. Like, he just kind of has like that solid look like this is good. Yeah. I just can't sell it. Uh-huh. Yep. And that's exactly what he does is yep. he makes really good music that 15 people are going to like. Yep. And those 15 people, probably three of them have money to buy <laughs> that yeah, music. Real. Yeah. But on the way back to uh, Chicago, he drives past Akron, gets distracted, hits a cat, and much like his own career, that cat gets up and keeps on limping forward. <laughs> I like how that, well, this he, was he, a... looks at, he looks at Akron sign and he goes, I wonder if I should actually do something. No. <laughs> yeah. That was, it was a very what would weird, you do? <laughs> it was a very weird thing. Like the way that they, the way that like this, scene is shot with Lewin like almost falling asleep and then they show the the snow on the road the other guy is sleeping you know and then you just you're waiting because this is a Coen Brothers movie you're waiting for something big and dramatic to happen yeah and then the thing that happens is he hits a cat and it lives and then he just goes back on his way and it's mm-hmm. like it it was it definitely like subverted my expectations of what was going to happen in this scene because like this was the most dramatically shot thing in this movie. Yeah. And And I was, something was coming. You knew something was going to happen. And then the fact that it was just that little thing was like, okay, that's when you said the feeling of a Coen brothers movie, that's the sort of thing that, that I was getting. It was like, it was giving me something and then the payoff wasn't what I expected it to be. And that happens in a lot of Coen brothers movies. Yeah. 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 But then uh, he gets back to New York and he gives up on music or at least claims to uses most of the $200 he has to pay his merchant Marine dues, (laughs) visits his sick father, uh, plays his father a song to try and get through to him because he is not all there. Father poops his pants. Uh, I mean, I mean, I, I that it is oh, yeah. handled in about that casual of a nature mm-hmm. where it's just like yeah. 
again, he is playing his heart out and the audience is not there for it. Yep. And that's another thing that's sort of like the same way as when you hang out with Zach, you know, you'll just be sitting there and then he just poops his pants. Yeah. I'm like, how much, how much of that did you just get? And he goes, and I'm like, look, your art is shit. (laughs) I'd rather (laughs) clean myself off than listen to more of your asked for him. (laughs) (laughs) He is told that he needs to his seaman's license so he can ship out. It's in the box his sister threw away at his direction. He goes back to get his money back, but can't get it back. So he is out most of the money he made in that lump sum from Please Mr. Kennedy. But he goes to meet, he goes to see Gene, and she's like, hey, I got you a gig at the gaslight, so you can get some cash out of that. Yeah. 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 So he's back where he started, kind of. Actually, literally, he's back where the movie no, started. Yeah, no, exact, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Almost literally. Back. Why? Why almost? It's not almost. Yeah, it's it not is, almost can, literally. It's literally, literally back where it's, it's, exact it's an expanded scene. scene. Not really. It's, 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 it's the same longer. Scene. It's longer than it was. The second that he wakes up, once he looks <laughs> down the hallway, same. Yeah. Well, literally no, the you, exact same. Because you have that first night where he heckles the woman on stage with the dulcimer and That's gets the same, but, but once he wakes up, once he wakes up and looks down the hallway, exact same as the beginning. Oh yeah. And you're like, ugh, fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. It's not. I mean, it is the same scene like that because that scene at the f- start of the movie is this one. It's not a yeah. loop. It's just yeah. Uh, no, but it's, uh, it's, it's a loop. Narratively, yes, not chronologically. Uh, I think we're splitting hairs. Yeah, I, I think we're splitting hairs here. Look, the important part of this scene is we're listening to Oscar Isaacs, who has the voice of a fucking angel oh, with a close up on his beautiful face and oh, yeah. like. Mm-hmm. Let's just appreciate that for a second. Okay. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I would love uh, to. We find out when he goes to the Gorefine's apartment, they found the cat. His name is Ulysses because the Cohen brothers love their Odyssey Iliad references. Uh, turns out the novelty song, Please Mr. Kennedy, is a huge hit. It's going to have massive royalties paid to everybody who chose to get the royalties. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then goes to go to Gaslight. We real- realizes that uh, Pappy, the owner, had also slept with Gene. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Davis puts on a great show he finally seems to have overcome the death of his partner by performing a song they used to perform together solo this time he's having a real moment of self-empowerment when he's told that a buddy of his is outside as he goes outside a young man who is very clearly Bob Dylan shows up to turn the entire scene on its head and wipe away anybody's memory that Lou and Davis ever performed at the Gaslight ever again and then you look and you see in the audience and Forrest Gump is sitting there and he teaches him how to play the harmonica. <laughs> you know, I was thinking that this was like if the Coens did a Forrest Gump because it's like this guy kind of does some stuff, but then like nothing oh, really yeah. happens. It's... Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, but he, yeah. but he never meets, he never meets anybody except for that. Yeah, I, I think that's what well, I, Forrest yeah, Gump I mean, maybe should have been more it like. Seems like he, it seems like he meets people that were important to a lot of things, but just not what he needed at the time. I don't know. Uh, no. Yeah. What, I, I don't understand. Like, I guess narratively, the fact that it like is, is a looping story is like, oh, this guy's constantly just going to dig his own grave, I guess. Um, I really felt that that took away from what this movie should have been. Um, because I think that it makes you think too much about something, you know, it's almost one of those weird where like at the end of certain movies or shows where like the character wakes up and you're like, 
wait, was this all a dream? I don't want to, I don't care about that. You know, uh, having like that weird, almost literally looping timeline, uh, <laughs> literally, but we'll say almost literally. Um, it, it was weird. Like, do you think that means that he's not going to learn anything? Do you think that this is uh, the best possible Groundhog's Day? Um, what What do you th- What did you take away from the fact that he he ends where he begins? That even if Lewin Davis overcomes his own self defeating nature, the universe is still going to throw something at him that is going to take away his progress. It's not a happy ending. No, it's a happy ending for the character. The character himself overcomes some of his own issues, gets punched in the face and kind of realizes like, okay, I, I, he overcomes some challenges, but ultimately sometimes your own self revelation is not necessarily enough to succeed in a way that you necessarily want to. And also, you can tell by the way that the people in his life interact with him that he is sort of that way. And even if he does have like that realization, I don't think it's going to like last forever. <laughs> He's going to go back to the way he was because that just seems to be the way he is. Yeah. That's so what Bob, it felt like yeah, to me. Bob Dylan takes the stage. He gets punched in the face in the alleyway. The guy drives off and he says, au revoir. And the credits roll. Au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir, Shoshana. Au revoir. Au revoir. revoir, which is French for hors d'oeuvres, I think. I think so. <laughs> and I of think course, that's hors right. Hors d'oeuvres is French a, for tiny sh- food. Champagne or champagne. Uh, did you see at the end of the credits, there's an image uh, that is in Hebrew and also in English declaring that this film is kosher for Passover. That was cool. no, actually. What? <laughs> yeah, true. No, I couldn't wait to turn this movie off. I, I it was, it was so unrelentingly depressing that like when it finished, I was like, I can't listen to these songs anymore. <laughs> yeah, I I love the songs in this. No, movie. I, I, and I, like- I I've played. I've learned. I've taught myself how to play most of them on guitar myself. Because yeah, of no, the, this film. the songs are great. The Coens actually said that the, the music in this film is a direct descendant of the music of Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Which mm-hmm. I thought up until this might have been their best soundtrack. I but, would I, have. Uh, that's all I could think of while I was watching this movie. I was like, man, I wish I was watching Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah, which is kind of this movie just fun. You know, set way it back is fun. then. <laughs> yes, fun and this, longer, but it, this it movie is, a is long... the dark, dark alternate to Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Mm-hmm. Very yeah. similar journey, very similar character growth, and mm-hmm. very similar yeah. kind of like, obviously a different ending, but still. Yeah, not now, a flood. Uh, about all the music, it was performed and recorded live. Oscar Isaac played the guitar and sang the songs. Justin Timberlake sang all of his parts. Carrie Mulligan sang all of her parts. There's mm-hmm. one song towards the end that was dubbed over, but they did record a version for the soundtrack. It was the uh, recording of the old triangle, which was what the guys in the sweaters were singing. Yeah. But yeah, all of the music in this is performed live and everybody actually played their stuff. Um, it's all inspired by actual folk music from that era in new york um and i did appreciate um because when you saw oscar isaacs playing the guitar you could see that he was really playing and i'm like i i like that because usually in movies it's just like somebody with a guitar (laughs) and it's like 
please just it, it you know in in movies it's like you're just playing rock and roll learn the three chords it just at least learn what they look like <laughs> but <laughs> but like when he's sitting down and it's a close up on his fingers playing you could see that he's playing it and i really appreciate like the small details like that there's yeah, um it's, it's also it, weird that they, that they showed a scene where uh lewin he stops outside of a cinema and looks at a poster for the incredible journey and at first i'm like oh well that makes sense that's about animals trying to get home which is homeward bound but then you realize that this movie is set in 1961 and they're very clear this movie's in 1961 for some reason yet that movie comes out in 1963. So it's, I don't, everything in this movie, I don't know why they tell me a year because then the whole time I'm like, well, that taxi's not from that. That train is modern. <laughs> they didn't have handicap stalls until 1991. Like, I, I don't understand it. Ha- whatever. <laughs> uh, I do like uh, this movie. So. I think it's uh, pretty clear that Lewin Davis is a time traveler. Mm. Yeah. I think that's probably it. Yeah. Uh, I think he's stuck in that, in that week for, years sure yeah right. i i don't know you said is this the best version of groundhog's day and uh i'm pretty sure groundhog's day is the perfect version of groundhog's day <laughs> oh my god how dare I, you sir i, I also haven't need, seen that movie since i do not need to watch bill murray try to oh, Mike, for an hour and 45 minutes. i don't think you would i don't think you would uh think that it aged very well okay all right well, well uh, let's not clockwork is, orange myself into saying that that's trying, a good movie this is from a guy still trying to get enough box tops to get into the dregs so i, I think he might like this movie <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's the story of Inside Lewin Davis. Um, now, about an when, artist. When, when this movie, when 2013's Coen Brothers sleeper hit, uh, when this movie hit Dylan Terry, who who and where was Dylan Terry? I think I saw this in late 2015. I just okay. moved into my own place. I was getting back into writing and playing music for myself again. And I don't remember how I came onto it. It was... I think I had seen Deus Ex or Ex Machina rather with oh. no, yeah Ex Machina with Oscar Isaac and I was like that guy's really good. What else is he in? And I saw that he was in a Coen Brothers movie yeah. about folk music, <laughs> where he sings and plays the guitar and it's got all of the all of those things. And I'm like, I've never heard of this before. Mm. So I watched it and it struck me at a very vulnerable time in my life as an artist and as a person. And I think it's just stuck with me since because every time I watch this and I watch it. Every six months to a year, I wa- I pop it in and just kind of have it going. I watch wow. this pretty regularly. Yeah, it. it I, I can see this being on in like the background where you can hear certain scenes. Like there's a couple quotes that really caught me. Uh, there was a couple times that like the writing, I I really just straight giggled. Uh, the music is is beautiful, obviously, um, but I don't see the rewatchability of this. Because there's nothing that happens in it. You know, like, he plays some music and he gets angry and then people get angry at him. Then he plays Mm -hmm. some music. And that's cool. Uh, And sometimes he looks for a cat. Sometimes he finds a cat. That's cool. What is... I I guess I just don't see the rewatchability of of, of this movie. I'm also not a musician, so I I can't connect with with that. Uh, So I'm assuming it has something to do with that. 
I think what gets to me about this as far as story goes is that it's a character study of a guy who keeps making the same mistakes and keeps driving people away. And he is trying very hard to be an artist and trying very hard to be taken seriously. And not only is are his social relationships like struggling, but his artistic relationships are also struggling. Mm. And it's due almost entirely to his own fault. And I am moderately aware of my own social weirdness mm-hmm. <laughs> without getting too far into just personal stuff on a podcast. But um, it's a, it's an interesting kind of like in an alternate universe, I could have been very alone. <laughs> and then the, the soundtrack, I'm a huge fan of like Americana music and folk and I like playing fingerstyle guitar. So these songs come on and I just have this kind of like, zone that i enter when i hear it i play the soundtrack for myself pretty regularly as background music um and not all of it i think some some of the music is a little too bleak but zach you know from our show i like a bleak story and (laughs) i i appreciate movies that really don't try and pull their punches and i especially like it when characters learn a lesson and try to change and then something might take that away from them despite their own best efforts and i think this does it without being too unfair because it's based in like bob dylan coming onto the scene in the real life folk music like era upset a lot of pre-established ways of doing things and balances and so to have the movie end on what was the change in the era feels very appropriate from a story sense of setting it in this era in real life yeah, I mean that that's fair. It, 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 this is the first time I've seen this movie. I thought that I have seen it and I had not. Uh I love Oscar Isaac. I thought that the casting of this was really good. I was very very happy with every single face that I saw and what those faces were doing. Um I just I couldn't tell you if this movie was like an hour and 20 minutes or 2 hours and something. Like it just kind of it just kind of goes you know and and it's and it's it's odd because there's nothing about oscar isaac that is needed in this movie except his voice and his look um and it's it's just such an interesting movie because i love the cohen bars i think that those those two traps uh have figured out such a cool stylized versions of movie making they also don't compromise and it's worked for them mm-hmm. so to have yeah. them to have a movie about an artist who doesn't compromise and consistently fails because of it is an interesting look into what they might consider their own alternate like universe. And they do seem like the type of guys who do understand that they're definitely in the very small minority of doing what they do. Like you don't get to be the Coen's in too many universes and succeed the way that they have. And I I feel like they understand that. And maybe this movie is sort of, that's what they're saying is like, we get it. We're, we're the, we're the oddity over here of doing what we do. And most people who do what they do are this guy. Yeah. It's just, if, if you were to tell me, Hey, there's a Coen brothers movie about a folk singer. And it's not realistic. Like, it's not based in reality. I mean, I, I, it is based in reality, but it's not based Inspired on a real person. By... I, I would not think that this was the final product. Although, I'm not upset with it. Um, it's just when you look at 
raising Arizona and how weird that movie is and uh oh, oh brother and how beautiful like detailed that movie is and you look at uh you know no country for old men is that them that's them mm-hmm. right yeah. yeah yeah and that movie is just so vast and so suspenseful and so like skin crawl and then you see this movie and it's like i don't know if this was like a a passion project because they're fans of folk music um because it just it, it is the most subversive coen brothers movie i've ever seen uh because it is exactly what it is about which is interesting but also like they made a movie that is so not a coen brothers movie you know this is almost an episode of high maintenance somehow because it has like a like a goofiness and a lightness to it where the 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 most that this guy has to go through is losing a cat and trying to get money for the next problem um yeah, it's it's just such a weird a weird little movie. That's um, I think that's what I appreciated about it because the Coens do a, a like a thing, and this isn't you know Fargo, this isn't Lebowski, this isn't Raising Arizona. It it's something completely different, and they're always doing something slightly different. And this is like the biggest departure. There is a universe in which I really like this movie, and. It's in the universe where I enjoy listening to folk music because the music in this is like a lot. There's a lot of it and they play the entire songs. The music is a lot of this movie. And if you enjoy this kind of music, I can totally see it. Folk music, like singer songwriters turn me directly off. Like (laughs) I'm... Yeah, I, 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 I'm not surprised. I'm not just. Well, unless, I'm not just Christopher the, Guest is making that movie. I'm not just the punk rock podcaster because, like, I you know, it's because that's the kind of music I like. I like drum and electric guitar driving fast music, and folk music is just not the type of thing that I'm into. I appreciate this movie for what it is but I don't like it. Is there a movie? Is there a, is there a term for that when you appreciate something, but you don't like it? <laughs> Nuance. It's, it's almost a guilty pleasure. <laughs> yeah, but it's not a pleasure. I got no pleasure out of watching this movie, <laughs> but I'm going to give it a it higher was, score because it it's well a good made. movie and I yeah. get it. I get that. It's a good movie. I just didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get it. Yeah. I'm struggling with it because there's, <laughs> Like if every single part of it, it, it like it, the the, I'm not sure if the sum adds up to all of the the components. I'm like Oscar Isaac, I'm in. Struggling artist, cool, give it to me. Cohen Brothers, like view of '60s New York. Oh my God, sure, <laughs> I'm totally in. Uh, Adam Driver, uh, changing his name and giving you a cowboy hat. Like okay, Justin Timberlake with one of the coolest sweaters I've ever seen. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure, I'm in. Oh, Mumford and Sons on the soundtrack. Okay, yeah, sure, uh, yeah. yeah, okay. Marcus Mumford is a good voice. Mumford yeah. and Sons are fine. <laughs> yeah. But Marcus Mumford is a good musician. I like him when he guest stars on stuff. <laughs> yeah, but this this movie, I um <laughs> I wish somebody else picked this movie because I wanted to be <laughs> mean. I wanted to be mean about it, you know, because like I kept looking at it being like, why is this song still going? I get it. <laughs> 
<laughs> the uh, songs the songs just keep going you, they, you have to like for, this you have to like folk music yeah for this music for the, this. the music I, I is like, unrelenting I like, mighty, I like a mighty wind so i don't not like folk music i think that uh having a story about ray la montaigne i'm just not that interested in especially when uh he just maybe can't pay us rent uh, it's it like this movie has no stakes there's no arc uh, it doesn't end anywhere. It almost doesn't begin anywhere. And it's about a character whose point is to be forgotten. Uh, mm -hmm. And all that's wrapped up in a movie that is almost made to be forgotten because it's made about artists that are made to be forgotten. So I, I, I guess I get it. <laughs> uh, but I, 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 wanted... I think you get it. <laughs> I think I you know, got I, it. Yeah, I want. I wanted to love it, and there were scenes that I loved. Um, I do not think that I would watch this entire movie again. Um, mm -hmm. I, but I will definitely watch a lot of these scenes again. Uh, I, I will clip through some of this on YouTube. Uh, but putting on this movie and watching it from start to finish, I, I'm not sure I would get anything out of it. Unfortunately, right. um, that I can't get from putting Spotify on the soundtrack. Sure. Or watching Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. really wished I was watching that through the whole movie. <laughs> I kept thinking of every other Cohen's brothers. And I'm like, when are you going to splash me with something cool? You know, like, when are you going to hit me with something outrageous? Like, when am I going to get a drug sequence or a dream sequence? Or when is it going to get a bit surreal? Or when is the real cool character going to, you know, like, I just kept waiting for something. And it was literally just across the universe, but with music I don't really like a lot. <laughs> I, I think it's the Coen brothers. I think it's one of their most sincere movies. I think it's one of the movies they made where they're like, we want to do something that's important to us without a whole lot of gimmick. There's yeah, no, I'm, there's no crazy dream sequence. It did no need, it did need a character. Yeah. It did need a splash of Coen brothers magic. Yeah, <laughs> there was, there was not their normal splash. cinematographer and it's not their normal. Uh, there was one other member of their production team who wasn't on this one. And I don't, rem I don't remember who it was, but their cinematographer was not on it. And I will say yeah. this movie definitely has a, uh, a smear filter on it. Everything's yeah, a but, little I mean, gloomy. That, that is like New York. You know, I, I get that. When I looked at it, I was like, I, I get what they're doing. Uh, what's up, Miss Tina Marie? Oh, hello. Uh, how are you, dudes? Uh, <laughs> we're boys. Thank we're, you. We're the real dudes. <laughs> we, we're roughly 42% real people. of the real boys. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, yeah. I, honestly, if you didn't tell me it was the Coen Brothers, I, I wouldn't have known it. Um, I, I would have like, oh, well, who wrote it? You know, and then you'd be like, oh, it was the Coen Brothers. I'm like, oh, weird. Why? <laughs> Why? But, um, yeah, I I agree with both of you on this. Like I'm how I'm right in the middle down here. I'm right in the middle of your opinions as well. <laughs> yeah, I definitely didn't hate it. I mean, I, I I didn't hate it. It was just like I I just kept waiting until I realized at that one moment, like, oh yeah, nothing's gonna happen. It was just about him failing that life, I mm -hmm. guess. And, yeah. and pissing off everybody. Yeah. yeah. There was, there's a version of this movie where during that uh, Adam Driver and JT song, um, <laughs> where it's split into a happier, more, you know, like a redemptive movie, but it didn't do that. It went the other way. And 
I could see a dream sequence of him being shot into space and it's done in like paper cutout vert like style. Yeah, I don't know. I just I I uh, this is the least Cohen brothers that they have ever been in in, in my opinion. And that's it did la- it did lack some quirk. Uh, Wes Anderson shit. That sounded like a Wes Anderson dream <laughs> sequence and not a Coen Brothers sequence. <laughs> cut out in cut, like cardboard yeah, cut out no, in space. Right. <laughs> oh no. man, I tell you. Yeah. Cuz it, it's I, just so close. I do think I do think if one of the other ones had picked this I would have gone into it with a worse mindset and well, I would have hated this movie, but I, I did go into it going, well, Dylan hasn't steered me wrong yet. Yeah. And that's the thing. Cause if they would have <laughs> it, I'd be like, Oh, do you guys have some class? Like what's up with you dudes? You, this isn't, this isn't like heteronormal. Um, and because I, it was, because it was Dylan, it's like, well, I guess the news is going to be really good. Or the writing is going to be, and the writing mm-hmm. I'll say was, Oh yeah, it was fantastic. There's a meta level here because I refused to compromise on my top one, and I chose one that would be divisive. And I was really hoping I was really hoping more people would show up for this. You've been saying it since the beginning that nobody was going to like this one. (laughs) Yeah, but that's the thing. It's it's not that it's not likable. Like I don't like the majority of movies that are on this list. I don't not like this movie. It's just. It's so aggressively average. It's so aggressively non-existent, really. Like it's the kind of movie where you have to keep reminding people, like, "Hey, remember when Adam Driver was in that Coen Brothers movie?" And they go, oh, "Which one?" And you're like, "Ah, oh, the one about." You know, <laughs> at the very least, the cat. At the very least, you guys might be able to answer bar trivia questions about this movie now. All right, let's go with bar. Yeah, let's go with <laughs> trivia. Let's I do will... a bit. Yeah, hit me with some bar trivia. <laughs> uh, Adam Driver was in an. 2013 folk music movie. I no, I'm oh, saying you, like, oh, you didn't have any. I don't prepared. have bar trivia. No, oh. I, I don't know. <laughs> You're not Zach. No, I'm not Zach. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> yeah, Zach. That's where's what... our bar trivia? <laughs> well, I, I, my, I'm, I'm there's no bar tab. trivia about this movie because nobody knows about this movie. Yeah, yeah, that's why there's bar trivia about it. Coen Brothers movie, like uh, category. It's like what movie did Adam Driver, Justin Timberlake, and Oscar Isaac sing a song together? There you go. Uh, that Dick was a good box. song. That was a really good. Movie? That was a really good song. Oh, what movie? Dick in a Box. Yeah, Dick in a Box. <laughs> it's one of those SNL movies they don't really talk about. Do we have any interest in um in sharing this real fast? Do what you... is this? <laughs> this is uh, that song. Oh sure. Oh. I. This song was just so catchy. Yeah, it was a fun one. Like, <laughs> I was definitely bopping to it for the rest of the, like, after I yeah. turned the movie I, off, I was like, I'm going to skip kind of close to the end, though. Yeah. Space. Adam Driver. Best part of this. Space. <laughs> Outer space. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Makes him a lot of money. Yeah. Never no, take the so lump great. sum. So great. Uh yeah. So that was uh inside Lewin Davis. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, you're right. Don't take I I actually met the guy who um invented the Nike swoosh and they were going to pay him like a ton of money. When I went to art school, they like he was going around to his former uh school, you know, looking for money and stuff. And he said he said they offered him like a ridiculous lump sum or a nickel every time that the Nike swoosh was used on anything. And he took the nickel. Yep. He's a bajillionaire now. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. Never take the lump sum. I thought that was going to be a bit or something. <laughs> no, it was no bit. I actually met that guy and he was like surprisingly <laughs> really cool. No, Graphic designer, was, was... very talented guy who m- invented a check mark and made a billion dollars off of it. Yeah. Someone turns out that was a bit. It's the most average, boring bit Michael could think of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just do it. Yeah. <laughs> just do it. Just just sell your check mark for a billion dollars. Yeah, I would. Absolutely. <sighs> Oh boy. Yeah. So that's inside Lou and Davis from the Cohen yeah. brothers. Uh, do we want to get into reels and every, plugs? Watches every six months. More like a year, more like once a year when I get, yeah. when I get in a really bad space creatively mm. or like existential, is, I'm like, I need to remind myself. I need to remind myself that I'm not as bad as Lou and Davis. I was like, this is not a movie to drink to. Please don't drink to this movie. Uh, <laughs> no <laughs> comment. <laughs> No just comment. give me just give me a call. I know. Just call me. Just call me next. Just time. get your get your uh, rock tequila and your uh, Ryan Reynolds Ooh. gin. Yeah, we're establishing a mix, little podcast. Mix universe. them together. Yeah. I mean, they are the sponsors of this week's uh, podcast. Aviation <laughs> Gin, thanks to yeah. uh, Canada's number one gin mogul. Uh, you know, they're, they're coming in. What once we had a mogul on our show. Uh, once a long time ago, yeah, we had a mogul, a money it's, mogul. It's sad that he died. Yeah, it's really sad. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. dead now. Yeah, and, he's but dead the second now. one, once we picked up Phil Better, though, after the first weird <laughs> Canadian podcaster guy, once he died, uh, I forget his name was like uh, uh, uh Billiam, I forget what it was. Um, <laughs> Bill Fetter, Bill, F- <laughs> Bill Fetter, uh, Billiam, Billiam Danvis, Billiam Fetterman. Um, yeah, yeah. Once we had that mogul on here, we started getting some really, you know, pretty solid sponsors, pretty lucrative, uh, Ryan Reynolds gin sponsors. Yeah. 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 And it, yeah. Admit mobile, um, that I can't for the life of me, you just said it and I still don't remember what it's called. Mint mobile. M- mint, mint mobile. Oh, mint, mint. Yes. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds the, mint gin. Yeah. Think of the color green. When you think of Ryan Reynolds, mm-hmm. and that's, uh-huh. mint, that's Mint Mobile. Um, what color do you think of when you think of Ryan Reynolds? I think of like a blue, but sometimes like a weird red. Or like an like, orange. Yeah, like, like blue and out. orange. Yeah, like chill out. The, the <laughs> Why color are you of, so, you're so loud. Chill out. The, the color of tan skin on an oversaturated screen. Yeah. Like yeah. that kind of orangish transformer skin. Okay. Yeah. He he is what, literally he's the power tie of human beings. What you color do you like, why why why? What color do you think of when you think of the rock? No comment. Uh k- khaki. <laughs> I'm getting like an olive green as well. Yeah, like a khaki but with like leaves behind it. Yeah, cuz of the jungle. Yeah, Dude, you're right. He's always, he does like the jungle. jungle. <laughs> always in the jungle. <laughs> Rock, of, where's our predator? Speaking movie? of the jungle, <laughs> speaking of the jungle, uh, we want to thank our sponsor this week, Phil Better, uh, and his podcasting moguls. You can hear all of his 
uh, wonderful, wonderful programs over at the the Better Network uh, <laughs> dot, uh, C-A-N. Um, but one that I happened to stumble upon uh, recently was uh, it's called uh, The Bigger They Come, The Harder They Niagara Fall. And it's it's like a it's a sophomore porn that he does on the side of the Canadian side, obviously, of the Niagara Falls. Um, huh. Yeah, it, it, both- it is odd. Yeah. <laughs> I also found a softcore porn called Inside Feel Better. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, exactly, he, it's exactly what it is on the title. It's only like 45 seconds. Yeah, yeah, that's the one where he watches YouTube videos of colonoscopies and tries to do them on himself uh, using normal uh, Canadian kitchen tools such as uh, beaver tails and uh, 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 tree sap collectors. Two out of three of us have our fingers on our faces, so I think that's a sign that we need to go to You know, like when you put that thing and you start screwing it into a tree to make sure you get the sap out of it or like all the sap out of it? Here, it looks a, it looks a lot like this. It's a Can- the Canadian col. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> the Canadian colonoscopy. Uh, feel better's new uh, better yourself with feel better yourself. <laughs> feel better yourself is just a picture of his face on a mask. You feel are better. way too fast at that. <laughs> the people missed out on my homemade colonoscopy. I also yeah. I'm. I'm officially retiring from this bit. I refuse no. to give anybody. No. I refuse to give anybody who ghosted us uh, any sort of publicity. So, no, that, no, this is a great bit. It's, uh, it's a great bit. I loved listen, it, but I'm one, done with we have it. One, we have one podcast subscriber, and I'm not sure why. I think that I tricked Phil better into doing like a reverse subscription thing, but he is our only subscriber, and I think that it, it is. It, it's it's. On, it's on our shoulders, really, to thank him. It's, uh, it's on your shoulders now. Michael, no, you're sounding it, a little Phil Bitter. Listen, I am a little it, Phil Bitter. Listen, a lot of the responsibility <laughs> falls down onto our shoulders. <laughs> and if we don't better ourselves by making sure that, uh, you know, that, that Canadians get their money. That, OMG, that good, stop talking about these guys who are working Canadians. Uh, because honestly, um, you can... <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can also listen to Phil Better's uh his blind dating show uh called Filling Head Over Heels uh with Phil Better. Uh that one's probably not that good. No. Uh, anyway. Well, I'm sorry, I had to make up one for you. Anyway. You did, and you have to from now on. And I have a bunch of good ones. I'm just not gonna say them. You're retiring from the bit. I'm retiring from the bit. I I'm I am you need a better bit. I am do we need a better bit? Like I am Phil Bitter. We've been doing Phil Better bits for the past like 65 episodes. I know. And I still had a bunch of good ones. I had a yeah. bunch of good ones in the tank. Let, I'm not going to say them. Do you I refuse. Switch, do you want to switch up the bit? <laughs> we need a we need a better bit. A better bit? Yeah. Do you want to go like <laughs> do, <laughs> We could talk about whose pieces of shit. I mean, they could be <laughs> actual good good bits. Uh but no. <laughs> don't make me run the outro <laughs> yeah right. we didn't even get we didn't even give our our let's let's get to real since a, since a bit has been hung up omg Hang, let's just get up. to this bit here or let's get you over can, this bit can, and into our can, reels god damn bet, you can bet that we're gonna get to our bits <laughs> all right Zach, I'll start. What are your, oh michael what are your reels <laughs> i'm giving this thing <laughs> I'm giving this thing. See? Oh. See? I don't know. Let's, 
Am I, no, no, I refuse. Hey, um, you give your reels. Um, I you think refuse. I'm going to give this one 6.5 because I can't, I can't figure out if I want to give it a six or a seven. So I'm going to give it a 6.5. I appreciate what it is. I didn't enjoy my time with it. I don't like the music, but I do love Oscar Isaac's voice. I appreciate the musicianship of the whole thing, but I didn't like the songs. Sure. It's, it's a movie that I wish I liked, but I don't, but I do appreciate what it is. And I think it's way more Cohen-ish than what some people on this panel are giving it. Uh, so Phil's not here. Don't talk about him behind (laughs) his back. (laughs) So I am Michael Colby. You can listen to me on, uh, (laughs) generation clash. Uh, I love this terrible game. And Jack Billings presents Haunted Apartment Complex now on the Podmoth Network. Uh, we're doing a lot of fun stuff. And tomorrow's episode, if you're listening to this live, um, we do a Weekend at Bernie's thing. And I'm the only one who thinks it's funny. But I wrote an entire episode of, of Weekend at Bernie's for the podcast and I don't care if anybody else likes it. Yeah. I love it, and I'm not going to compromise on don't how compromise much I love in your it. Heart. What are you it talking sounds like about? you took the movie to heart, and maybe you deserves a seven. What are no, you I'm talking not. about? <laughs> Is this something I should know about? What? Jack Billings presents Haunted Apartment Complex. You should know oh, about that's, that. That's, yeah, that's the that's the weekend of Bernie thing. Yeah, I yeah. did. I did an episode of Jack Billings presents Haunted Apartment Complex. That is a weekend at Bernie's thing. <laughs> not Chris Farley. I could see not Chris Farley. No, that's that's a different thing that I did with a different podcast. That if we are going to end up making that into a movie, um, I'm going to have to give out some extra writing credits for that. Unfortunately, (laughs) I didn't. We didn't sign on to that. Uh, I am going to give this movie. uh, I'm going to give it. I think that I'm going to have to say six. Uh, You know. it's not bad. There's nothing bad about it. Um, it is one of probably the most forgettable movies uh, that, that I have seen. Um, un- unfortunately, uh, beautiful movie. Oscar Isaac is beautiful. Everybody's beautiful. Music's beautiful. Shot beautifully. Script is beautiful. <laughs> it is. The most, it's yeah. It to me, yeah. it is just the one that of all the Coen brother movies, uh this one just was fine it was almost like they it was like a consignment piece like they did it for somebody else and you're like well be like honda coheny but like nah you know um yeah i i i i want dude i went into this wanting to love this thing so bad and i was hoping that oscar isaac was going to be naked uh just to back up <laughs> my promise to michael colby um I was what? waiting for it. I actually thought that you saw this movie. I was waiting for Naked yeah. Oscar Isaac, and it didn't happen. Well, I wanted to make sure you actually watched one of these movies and, and had something to talk about <laughs> instead of some random bit that none of us can latch on to. Uh, I know, and I wish I could have got yes-ended on some of those other bits where I don't watch the movies. Well, I just couldn't tell if they were jokes. and that's. The, I didn't that... know we were doing full sh- full episode bits yet. That's the best thing about improv is if you don't yes and somebody, they'll hold it against you for about a week. <laughs> yeah, I thought I just thought, you know, if I could if I could spring an improv 
exercise on anybody, it would be you two. But I guess I was wrong. It depends on the exercise. Yeah. I think I think next also, week you're going to have plenty of opportunities to yes. Yeah. And oh, what are I we think, doing next week? We'll talk about also, it in a second. Yeah. I think okay. Also, you're you're a bit used to having like lower level people to talk to. Uh, we're <laughs> upper we're upper level uh, echelon, if you will, uh, as far as improv goes. You could say close that we're. You can bet that we're the pinnacle of what <laughs> podcast should be. Uh, <laughs> you can see Michael Colby on Cloud Chronicles and Oops Caught Me Smoking uh, sometimes. Uh, Dylan, how many reels are you going to give this out of 10? I am giving this 9 out of 10. Uh, because it's not perfect. Um, I'm, I honestly don't like the smear filter over it. There, There's a lot of bloom in this movie, which it doesn't feel... I would have liked a little bit more of a crisper image. Yeah. Which is a... My, which seems like a pretty minor thing to levy at the thing that I chose as my number one movie. But the thing <laughs> is, this show was pitched to me as choose five of the top movies you want to talk about. Yeah. And I wanted to hear people talk about this movie. <laughs> I love this movie. It speaks to me as like a writer and a musician in a way that no other movie I've watched has. Uh, and I get it is not for everybody, but I'm giving it a nine. Uh, that brings us to about 21.5, which. Uh, out of 30, of course, which uh -huh. brings it to about a little over seven. Yeah. Which is about what the audience rating is on uh, all yeah, those major I, aggregators. So I think yeah. that's totally fair. I'll be, I will be the snobby critic in this and rate this higher <laughs> than the audiences. That's fine. Yeah. It just needed some Mark Wahlberg, honestly. Oh right? my God. Yeah. <laughs> three. If it would have had Mark Wahlberg in it, it would have been a three. <laughs> uh, not if it were Mark Wahlberg instead of uh, Ben Wren. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, people who audition for this movie include Fassbender, mm -hmm. Michael Fassbender, and Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds could have been yeah. Oscar Isaac's role, which which is, would have been interesting. It would have yeah. been interesting, but way less good. Way and less I would much good. rather have been looking at those close-ups of Oscar Isaac. I can't yeah. think of a Ryan Reynolds movie I've watched where he is playing a dramatic character in this vein. Outside, Deadpool. outside. <laughs> No, you're thinking of Deadpool too. Oh uh, yeah, Deadpool outside too. of Amityville Horror, I cannot think of a movie where Ryan Reynolds plays where I don't think you can shut up. He was good in in that remake of Amityville. He wasn't and bad. also shirtless a lot, and that was yeah. not bad. Yeah, because that was quite was a six pack that he had then. He was fine. Yeah, <laughs> he <laughs> was all right. Uh, but yeah, if you want to hear uh, some words that I say that Dylan writes, you can always see slash hear us at some nobody's anything. Uh, most importantly, Silicon Angels, which is literally the funniest podcast ever made. Yes. Uh, then there's all okay. Uh, wait, hang on a second. There's also number two, uh, CYOP Appeal, uh, which is probably the most inventive podcast <laughs> ever made. Uh, hang on a second. There's listen. Okay, and if, you wanna, if you want, if you want, kick him off. <laughs> Wait, can they still hear us? Yeah. No, oh, you just gonna remove him from the studio. I don't care. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, anyway, yeah, check out uh, things that we do, and we appreciate you, and thank you for listening slash watching. Oh, we came back before the bit could be finished. So there's some pretty solid improv. If you like improv, one of the best that I've heard is actually podcast, podcast, a podcast show, uh, <laughs> where Dylan and myself, we actually just, honestly, we should be like the kings of creation by now uh what, what's a word if you have like a whole bunch of things under your belt like you just own a whole bunch of things god uh, 
No, God doesn't own stuff. He just makes stuff. Deity. Oh. No. Demiurge. Hmm, that's closer, but no. Authority. Less letters. Creator. Mm, way less letters. I know what you're going for, but I refuse to say it. Give it to uh, me. Capitalist. <laughs> that well, that's closer. <laughs> yeah. uh, <coughs> a mongrel. Mongrel. <laughs> yeah. Mongrel. We're the, po- we're the podcast. We're podcast mongrels. We're the podcast mongrels. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good, actually. Yeah. All right, get us out of here, Zach. Oh, is that is that my job? Oh, I don't know. Uh, thanks You're for tuning in. To, hey, thanks for tuning into the like real boys. Minutes late. You heard all of our pitches and who we are and what we do. You should go listen to all those things and tune in next week when we might talk about Ace Ventura: Pet Detective. Oh. We're going to. Oh, going to I have a something. guest. I have a guest for Ace Ventura: Pet. Michael Detective. has a guest. We're not going to you know, know who it is until the that thing show is, starts. There's a chance, and, and I'm going to run this past you on air real fast. What if we all steal Michael's bit? Which one? <laughs> the bit that he's going to have for Ace Ventura, which is a really nice bit. I, I like the bit a lot. I yeah, think, sure, why not? I, and, and not like not take it in like a jerk way. Take it in like a, this is actually pretty clever. And I think it's the best way to talk about this movie. Yeah, uh, we can do that. Tune in next week to Ace Ventura Pet Detective where we do some pet detecting. Yeah, we're going to have a big panel for that one. Yeah, yep. 18 people. It's going to be, be-, be great. <laughs> 45 you people. Can, you can bet that it's going to be great. OMG, what a movie podcast. It's just going to be a whole cloud of people chronicling this movie. (laughs) It'll be a cloud if somebody actually calls me smoking. All (laughs) right. Hey, everybody, you have a good day out there. Be well. We'll see you next week. Tune in to all of our shows that we mentioned. Zach, say something. Feel better. Perfect. This is not our cat. What? Of course that's your cat. Oh my god. It's not even male. Where's its scrotum? Lewin? Where's its scrotum? And now for something completely different. I drink it up!